you for joining for this episode of the Techspective podcast. Uh, my guest is Dean Hager. So, Dean, if you want to introduce yourself and a little bit about uh, you know your background and the company. Sure. Um, thank you for having me, Tony. I really appreciate it. Um, my name is Dean Hager, as you mentioned, and I'm the CEO of JAM, a company uh, whose mission is to help organizations succeed with Apple. I've been with JAM now for eight years, and I am closing in on a 34-year uh, career in high tech that has spanned uh, four different companies, but but always been in the mix of just trying to provide great solutions to IT and security teams, um, and have been doing that for the last year with Jamp as well. Okay. So, the, um, you know, I think the, the, the unique thing about Jamp, you know, uh, which I, you know, is it's definitely relatively unique from my perspective. It, the unique thing is the focus on Apple, like you know, so it's like enterprise tech, but with an Apple Apple perspective. So, let's talk a little bit more about that, like specifically, like like why, um, you know, like first of all, what does Jamf do, and why is there this specific focus on Apple? Yes, um, thank you for the question. And as I mentioned. Our mission is to help organizations succeed with Apple. And what is an organization? Anything with two or more people. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, whether that be businesses, whether that be schools or hospitals or governments, um, we focus on organizations. And one of the reasons why we do is because Apple does such a wonderful job of focusing on the individual. We will sometimes uh, differentiate between what Apple does and Jamf does by saying Apple focuses on the person and Jamf focuses on the people. Our strategy is to manage and secure Apple at work, serving both uh, IT teams and InfoSec teams. And the $64 million question of why Apple really comes back to our core purpose as an organization. Our core purpose as an organization is to simplify work. We just do not feel that um, you know, there was once a day where like all your great computing equipment was at work and at home you were just trying to catch up. That has flip-flopped in the last, you know, 10, 15 years. So some will say that, you know, we're now the Jetsons at home and the Flintstones at work. Well, we don't think it should be that way. We think that work technology should be, should achieve the core purpose of what technology is, and that is to simplify work. And if you're going to do that, what better than to decide to, to specialize in consumer simple technology? And that's what Apple is. You know, we could go try to make the enterprise simpler, or we could embrace consumer technology and bring it into the enterprise. So that's really the, the first reason why we focus on Apple. The second reason why we focus on Apple really has to do with the word focus. Um, by focusing in on Apple, we are able to use core native Apple technology to accomplish things at work that simply would be, you know, impossible or extremely difficult without using that native Apple technology like what comes with Apple Business Manager. And then the third reason that we focus on uh, Apple at work is because, frankly, we, we believe that, you know, 
10, 15 years from now, Apple's going to be the dominant device uh, within the enterprise. I mean, it's already made, you will remember what it was like 15 years ago where the enterprise was absolutely dominated by Windows. Well, today, Windows represents less than half of the internet hits that occurs within work. It's actually Apple devices that have come uh, pouring into the enterprise. And we think that momentum is going to continue. And the leader in the enterprise will, will be those in 10 years that, that do Apple best. So for all those reasons, we specialize in Apple. Okay. Well, you know, I, I guess uh, sort of focusing on that first, the first reason to, to some extent um, to start out. Um, that the, the the thing that resonates to me with that is you know in the like the kind of the beginning of the BYOD movement you know was you know corporations and IT in in particular kind of pushing back and saying no we we issue computers we issue phones and and you know and when you're here you just use our stuff and I mean and and back in the day when I was you know working at EDS I I had two actually at one point I think I had three cell phones because I had my own cell phone and then I had like my EDS cell phone and then there was like a separate cell phone for the customer that I was you know working with and um, you know and then, I, and then I had two two computers you know I had my personal laptop and my work laptop and that's cumbersome I mean so from from the user perspective I'm like no I would much rather use my computer like like there's a reason it's my computer like I, I i looked at all of the options available and that's the one that resonated with me that's the, the computer i chose because it i like it um you know same thing with my cell phone and so from that from from the user perspective that makes total sense it's like well why wouldn't i just use the thing that i like and that i'm comfortable with from the corporate perspective it's like well okay but i need to be able to manage that i need to be able to monitor that i need to be able to secure that um and it's that kind of trying to find that balance, and 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 overall, it seems if you just follow kind of the trajectory of the BYOD, you know, movement, revolution, whatever, it seems that you know the consumer, the individual, kind of won that battle in most cases. You know, like you know, there are, there are companies that just don't even issue laptops unless they have to. They're like, well, do you already have a laptop? Then I don't need to give you one. Um, so you know, with all kind of with all of that in mind, um, how does that tie back to like you know, how do you take that? How do you take like you know, okay, well, I, I happen to like my iPhone. I have you know, and, and I mean, I don't currently have a have a MacBook, but I've had MacBooks, you know. And it's like so if I if I say, well, I like my iPhone, I like my MacBook. How does that fit into an enterprise security stack? How do you manage that part? And and what are the kind of the the challenges? Like what are the challenges you guys see? And, and how that balance affects an organization. Sure. Well, the whole BYOD movement, I mean, let's face it, had, had Apple never come along with the iPhone, I don't, I don't know when BYOD would have ever happened. The BYOD happened with iPhone. It was the first device that came along that, you know, employees actually said, you know, I don't want a BlackBerry. I want to use this. This is what I bought in my home. And it was really the first time employees sort of won that fight. They brought their consumer technology with the phone and said they wanted to start using that for work. And Apple, you could argue that the entire movement of Apple at work has been a choice movement. If you go back and, and 
if I was going to be really honest, the majority of Windows users at work today are Windows users because that's what they were issued. Right? The majority of Apple users at work today are using Apple because that's what they chose. And that's one of the things that has always been important to Apple. They actually don't like a world where people are just issued against their will Apple equipment. They, I mean, going all the way back to what Steve Jobs used to say, and the reason he didn't like the enterprise is he wanted to build great products and then have people choose those products. He didn't like the enterprise because people didn't choose. Well, the iPhone started to change that and it's been changing it ever since. And we actually see two different types of uh, programs where user preference comes in. One is a BYOD, to your point, and the other is CYOD, or choose your own device. There are some organizations, especially with the Mac, that will they'll say, hey, you know what, we'll buy it for you, but we're gonna give you a catalog of computers to choose from and you can, you can choose your choice. And both of those then create that model of user choice. However, whether it's, whether it is a choose your own program and the company buys it, or a, a bring your own device and you buy it in both, both cases. If you don't let that user have the consumer experience with that device, the, the program's gonna fail because they're not gonna they're not gonna get the reason why they chose that device. And and what right. do you want to do as a personal user? You want to upgrade to the latest operating system when you want. You want to know that your privacy is protected. You want to all of the you want to have the apps on there that you want to have. You don't want the organization putting so many rules on you that it's breaking the experience that you have with the device. And in the world of BYOD specifically, one of the reasons that's been such a broken model for so long is there were really only two different ways to prepare that BYOD device for work. Either ignore it, which, you know, let, let it be a rogue device used for work, in which case you have security issues, or fully manage and fully secure it, which in that case, the, the user is walking around with kind of creepy privacy violations because their location can be tracked, including on weekends, you know, by their IT team. And, you know, they don't like that. So how do you strike the balance between letting it be a consumer private device and yet being an enterprise uh, secure device. And Apple came up with a technology a couple of years ago called user enrollment that allowed a user for as long as they had uh, enterprise software like Jamf that supports it, which very few do, a user can user enroll their BYO device and Jamf will then partition that in half using native Apple technologies, and half of it will be completely personal, and half of it will be completely enterprise secure and work, but you as a user are only carrying one device, and ultimately, we're, we're hoping to end the tyranny of two, forcing people to carry uh, two iPhones, because uh, it's just not necessary anymore. Yeah, I mean, I haven't had, I, I certainly haven't had to do that for a very long time, but um you know, like back, like way back when, you know, like uh, when when I was a network admin at uh, McCann Erickson around like, you know, 1999, 2000, you know, we had like 250 
total, you know, seats. And, you know, basically about 200 of them were, were Windows PCs. And, you know, but we also had created, it's an advertising agency. We had a creative department. The creative department had Macs. And, you know, my, my take at the time was from an IT support perspective, I'm like, all right, I got just as many calls. You know, there, there's always been this sort of like quasi-religious debate about, you know, Windows versus Mac. And 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 my 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 perspective, both from the network admin IT support uh, angle and from the time when I had a uh, when I used a MacBook Air for a few years is I was like, you know what, they're in my in my opinion, they're both good. They're both fine. Um, They both have kind of an equal number of issues. (laughs) They're just different issues uh, and and challenges. Um, You know, it's just, you know, choose choose your poison. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, but I do, I do uh, subscribe to and, and, and profess to others, like choose your poison, but once you do try to stay in the same ecosystem, cause it just simplifies everything. Like, oh, and, I, and I, and I violate my own thing because I have like Apple, everything, an Apple watch, I've got an iPhone, I've got Apple, I've got home pods, I've got, you know, CarPlay, I'm, I'm using Apple, everything except for my PC. Um, and so I violate my own principle, but but in general, I'm like it just simplifies everything. If everything is just automatically synced together, it you know I don't have to try to get everything to play nicely together. I I know that you know everything just kind of works, and and you can achieve that if you you know double down on Google and Android. You can achieve it if you double down on you know Mac and, and iPhone. Um, but whatever you pick, you know better to go all in. Um, I wholeheartedly agree, and I agree it's also a religious debate. So my philosophy is don't engage in the religious debate. Provide freedom of religion. You know, let let your users actually choose the ecosystem that they want to invest in. And, I, you know, I think, well, by the way, well, one day I think you'll you'll probably fold over on your on your PC as well because it is a delight to have all of your devices within the same ecosystem uh, and be able to just, whether it be exchanging of data, whether it be, you know, displaying up to an Apple TV screen, which is what is behind me, what, whatever the, you know, whether it be, you know, you know, if I were to decide to quickly throw on my headphones so I could hear you better, everything is just so simple. And it doesn't matter whether it's my phone, my Mac or my iPad and what Jamf's objective is, is to create that same exact simplicity that you have in your home, but actually be able to take advantage of all of those things at work. But once you treat Apple from a management and security perspective like Windows, so to your point, you know, embrace the ecosystem. Well, I would say from an IT perspective, amen, but embrace the system that specializes in that ecosystem so that you get the experience of that ecosystem. And nobody does Windows better than Microsoft. Full, full management and security embrace the Microsoft stack. And from an Apple perspective, full management and security, nobody does Apple like Jamf does, preserving that Apple experience, which at the end of the day is flat out different than Windows and requires a different level of specialization. Well, and that so that brings me to my my next question was going to be sort of okay. Well, how is Jamf addressing these challenges? Because you know, again, going back now, granted, that was 
23 years ago that I was dealing with it. But but even in other organizations that I've seen even more recently, though, I feel like a lot of times, like like I've seen a lot of choose your own device, like you're talking about, you know, and, and I've, I've been in organizations where, you know, when you start, when you're, you know, doing your onboarding, they're like, we're going to issue you a laptop. Do you want this Dell or do you want this MacBook? Um, so, you know, it, it is an option you're given. Um, but a lot of times I, I feel like from the IT perspective, like when it comes to networking and, you know, network shares and stuff, that the back end still tends to be PC centric. Um, definitely, definitely in a lot of cases, uh, office centric. Um, and maybe, maybe that's much more me because I just, I, I'm not a, I'm not a Google Docs fan. I don't like that whole, I don't like that whole ecosystem. So I'm, I'm, I'm good with Office 365. But, um, but I, but when I was using the MacBook, you know, I, I, I recognized that, that, you know, you would run into some hurdles. You know, you'd be like, well, I'm using Office 365, but like if you're used to using it on a Windows PC, that you would run into things where you're like, well, why doesn't this work the way I want it to work? And so all of that's a very long way of saying, I feel like a lot of organizations might offer you the option to use a Mac, but they're still trying to kind of shoehorn it into the Windows world. They're basically saying, well, you can use this Mac, but you have to use it like it's a Windows PC. Right, which at which point you just ruined the experience of the Mac. And I think what you're saying is true on, on two sides. One is the app side and the other is the management and security side. And, and Jam's taking care of the management and security side. On the app side, very quickly, I mean, here, obviously I'm speaking to you on an Apple device right now, but yet we're using Microsoft Teams. Um, Microsoft has invested heavily they view apple devices as tier one devices in the enterprise you don't have to believe me microsoft has been really uh sending this message boldly uh that uh, their intent is to make those office apps work you know equally across windows and and apple devices so they put a lot of work into that and it's only going to get better. I'm a huge Microsoft 365 uh, user here at Jam, but yet I have all Apple devices. So there's a difference between the apps and the devices. And I think Microsoft has been doing a great job filling that app gap. Uh, on the management and security side, I mean, again, let's face it. If you look at the last 20 years, the uh, market share for the number of users using Windows to access the internet at work has been on a steady decline. And the two things that have been on a steady rise over the last 20 years has been Mac devices and mobile devices. So our first intent is, when it comes to management and security is to acknowledge that most of the world focuses on that declining ecosystem. And we're like, great. We're not going to try and compete with you there. Uh, we'll coexist with whatever Windows system, uh, ecosystem you have in place. Our favorite is when they put Microsoft themselves in place because we have over a dozen integrations with Microsoft and we coexist very well. Our second area uh, that we're trying to attack and, and, and kind of fix um, the enterprise when it comes to Apple is management and security together. Uh, it, it's a weird thing, but you know, IT teams don't necessarily secure the devices. The, the team that's making decisions on securing devices is the InfoSec team. And there are many times where that InfoSec team and those IT teams 
don't work very well together. Well, we're trying to bring them together by actually providing a single platform that manages and secures Apple in the enterprise. And in doing so, you have the same system that is assessing risk as you have that is mitigating the risk. Security and management, we're able to then create a better automated flow of IT policies and security policies. And then the third thing that we're attempting to address um, with our approach is just the, the total cost. If, if you're buying management from one vendor and security from another vendor, it is going to run more expensive than if you're just buying the Jamf staff for Apple. Uh, so it's going to be uh, less cost right up front. Uh, in addition, we're going to bring together those two teams, the InfoSec and IT teams, to actually collaborate for the best way to have software running on those devices. And then, uh, you know, the third reason is just if you look at the um, the cost of a security event, you know, not only do you have to integrate these systems together, but they're not all real time. You've built integration between management and security. If there is a security event, that's the greatest cost of all. I mean, it, it, your, your whole business could be uh, sacrificed. So we, we are investing in the growing ecosystem. We are bringing together the IT and InfoSec teams, and we are lowering the cost by lowering the out-of-pocket money, lowering the needs to do integration, and reducing the risk for a security event within the organization. Okay. Um, so, walk me through. You know, so so if I'm, you know, I, so first of all, I agree with you um, that I think the the perception is often that. IT is just this like overarching. There's IT and they and they manage security. It's like in a lot of cases, especially in uh, you know the larger the enterprise, the less likely that is. You know the the there's there's an IT team that is managing infrastructure. They're doing switches and routers and servers and whatever. And then there's a security team that's is doing their their own thing. Um, and and they don't you know they they they. There's a there's certainly a Venn diagram of of them working together, but the but their their agendas are not always aligned. Um, from from the IT, I, well, I, so so let's let's talk about then. You know, Jamf is kind of you're doing a little bit of both, right? Uh, yes, exactly. So um, if so how do, so how do you coordinate that? How does that work? Like like who's the primary who's the primary user? Is it the IT team or the IT security team or or is it just both? Right. Well, you know, in smaller organizations where you do have one team that does it all, it's it's obvious. I, and, and you know, SMB small to medium businesses, in those businesses, it is frequently one team. You you're exactly right in the right. Larger it's both teams and it is both, but it means that we're actually giving both of those teams, you know, an, an olive branch to hand out to the other one, a method of working together that <clears throat> actually makes sense. If, if you think about it, security software is identifying potential vulnerabilities, whether that be malware, whether that be a phishing attack, whether that be malicious download, whether that be misuse of the system. You know, that's what security software is doing, is, is trying to protect from those things 
and also trying to identify if any of those things have happened. Now, how do you mitigate? How do you solve a problem if you've identified a risk? Well, there's a few things that you might do. You might block that computer from accessing any of the enterprise resources for fear that the malware could infect you know, other computers. You might um, decide to remove software from that computer. You might decide that you need to upgrade software on the computer to be at the latest level. Well, what's the tool that's used to do all those mitigations? That's IT management software, that, that's management software. So by having the security software that identifies and attempts to protect from those risks, and management software that does the software updates, the network blocking, all the things to mitigate from the risk, you actually have a real-time communication between these two systems. And as a result of that, Jamf is, is actually the only company I'm aware of that has the ability to block access from a user from accessing the device itself within seconds. If we think that device is so at risk that we should immediately lock the screen and prevent any further usage of that device, Jamf has that ability in, in seconds. In addition, we can actually block from network resources that we have control over within seconds as well. So if you want people to still use the device but not access the network, we can block there. And then we have partnerships with Microsoft, Google, and Amazon, where they'll actually check with Jamf to see if a device is safe before allowing the device to access their cloud resources. So we can block users based on compatibility issues or compliance issues or security vulnerabilities at the device, the network, and the cloud level. And I don't know anybody else that can do that, one of the reasons that we can do that is because we combine this world of security and management together. Okay. Um, I guess yeah. One of the questions I had was kind of like the you know, who. Well, you know, so I just asked the question kind of who's the primary customer, but like who who benefits the most from Jamf, and, and you know, like is it. The end user is it the IT team? Is it the IT security team? Um, you know, like or 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 just all of the above. Yeah, and 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 on that note, though, I also wanted to go back to something you talked about earlier about how, you know, if I have a BYOD situation and the company you know puts their stuff on there and they're monitoring, you know, which which I've seen, especially from an email perspective, like they're they you know they they, they want to put their profiles on the iPhone and 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 kind of like lock down the email access. And you know, it, it, you know, and and there are obviously, like you said, privacy concerns. With it. Like, I, I don't necessarily want everyone to know where I'm going or have access to like my photos or or whatever. And so, the ability to split that is is, as you pointed out, is great. And say, okay, well, here's the corporate stuff, and you know, we're not going to look at your personal stuff. The question I had on that was, where does location fit on that? Like when 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 Apple splits it down the middle and says, okay, here's the corporate stuff, is location still part of it? Because I still feel like that's that's a kind of a privacy. Issue. That's a good question. That's a good question. So th this device that I have in my hand right now is uh, a BYO device. I bought it myself. It's an iPhone uh, 14 Pro Max, and the reason why I buy my own iPhones is because I 
I want to, you know, I don't want to move to an iPhone every three years. I may want to. I mean, my last one was the iPhone 11. So in that case, I waited three years. But if Apple comes out with something really exciting, you know, maybe I move to the 15. But I want that to be my choice. So I always buy my own device. But it is BYO enrolled with Jam, meaning that every single app that I load from the App Store, IT can't even see. But yet, if I go into Jam self-service and load apps from there, those are going to be automatically secured, full enterprise security for using this as a work device. My work mail is fully enterprise secured. My Google mail is 100% personal and private. And to ask your specific question, location tracking, they can't do it on me. Because after all, at the end of the day, um, if, if, if I do lose this device, all that needs to happen from an IT perspective is they need to hit the unenroll button and it will wipe all of the work stuff off this device. But the personal side is, is my responsibility. I can maybe go into, you know, find my, and I can find my phone. If I decide that I want to put it in the lost mode, I can do that. That's all my choice. I paid for it. Work doesn't need to know where this device is. They just need to be able to be able to prevent any of the work data from getting into somebody else's hands and they have control of that. So that's to answer your very specific question. Your broader question on who benefits the most, of course, I mean, the three groups that benefit are the InfoSec team, the IT team, and the end users. And one of the things that I always say about the technology that we're trying to provide is we want to provide technology that users love and that the organization trusts. And, and that organization side is really the InfoSec team and the IT teams working together. We want them to have complete confidence every time the end user is using that device to access work resources and they want to, they want to know that that's completely secure and that the access is encrypted and the user is who, say, who they say they are. They, they want to trust that completely, make sure there's no malware on the device, there's no phishing attempt on that device, all of those things. But the thing that gets me jazzed, the benefit that makes me really excited, goes back to our purpose of simplifying work. It's that end user who's carrying the device. They're the ones that now get to choose to use the device that they want and it works in an enterprise consumer or, or in, a, in a consumer simple way. And they can upgrade to the latest operating system when they want to. And they can use all the fun, personal consumer bells and whistles on the device. And as you mentioned, they can do that for their whole ecosystem. And it just works so nicely together. It, it affects work, right? I mean, back in the day, your work environment was your office environment, the coffee corner at work. It was, you know, all of the things in the facility, in the office environment. Let's face it, your, your technology environment today is the employee experience. So if you're an employer and you want to create the greatest employee experience, you are going to give the end user the greatest 
technology experience. And if they are on the Apple side of that religious belief, uh, belief system, you are not going to achieve that by giving them a Windows device. You're just not. You know, I have three daughters. They're all in their 20s. And this is, by the way, I, we actually are great partners with Microsoft and we have great integrations with them. You know, we exist wonderfully with them. But my 24-year-old daughter recently uh, got promoted at work. She has used a Mac her entire life. You know, and she called me to tell me about her new job and how much she loves it. And she said the only thing that she doesn't like is in that particular job. They haven't set her up yet to use her own personal Mac. She said, they gave me something else. And I said, well, what did they give you? And, and she said, I don't know, but it just feels old. And I said, is there a start button in the lower left-hand corner? And, and she said, yes. I said, you know, you're using Windows. I mean, she's 24, a college graduate. It's the first time that she's ever used Windows in her life. And she can't wait for the day when her work sets her up to use her own personal Mac in order to do that job with that app. That's where things are going. And you have a whole bunch of college graduates out there that have literally been using a Mac, you know, since they could walk practically. Think about it. We, we have our first iPod babies entering the workforce. The iPod was invented 2001 to 2002. That was the beginning of Apple's resurgence. Well, how old are they now? They're 20 years old. They're getting internships. So we've got our first group of iPad, iPod babies entering the workforce. They've used Apple their entire life and nothing else. Yeah. Well, it, so to back up a little bit to what you're talking about uh, on, in terms of the the, the devices, um, that aligns with you know, like I've I've, I've said for a long time that um, you know, like you know, back in the day. Mobile device management, you know, that, that's a whole, a whole, that's a whole genre of of cybersecurity and and, and IT management solutions. Um, but even then, I used to, I used to be like, okay, but as the as the company, as if I'm if I'm the CISO, whatever, like, I don't actually care that much about your device, and that and that's true of the laptop, whether it's a laptop or a mobile phone or whatever. Like, I don't care. Like, I do care. I mean, obviously, there's an expense there, but I don't care that much about the device. I can replace the device. All I really want to do is protect the data. Like, I, I like I, that. That's it. As long as I can like make sure that the data is encrypted and secure, or that I have an ability to wipe the data. Like, if someone if someone steals a laptop, so be it. I'll buy a new one. Um, yeah, You're that, absolutely that, right. Amen, brother. That is, um, you know, if you can create an environment where the user is using exactly what they want and how they want to use it, and it, it feels like when they get their work computer, if they get a work computer, they, the feeling from the very moment they get the work computer is exactly the feeling as if they went out and bought their own. It's in the shrink wrap. IT has never touched it. They unwrap it, they unbox it, they power it on, and it powers up automatically on first power on to have all of the apps that are needed, all of the connection points that are needed, and all the security that's needed. But yet the whole experience from unboxing forward felt like a consumer experience. That exists today, and, and IT can feel completely, and InfoSec can feel completely comfortable that the data is protected and the user gets their delightful 
consumer experience. Yeah. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Yeah, I mean, you know, and for for a while now, I mean, not not everyone. This is not like an an, an inherently native setup for Windows and Office three sixty five, but the way I've set mine up, because I know what I'm doing. Um, it, uh, like, actually, I wish I wish Microsoft would make it inherently native because it's a, it's a it's a beautiful setup. Like I, a number of years back, I went in and redirected all of this, all of the default folders. So like desktop documents, music, et cetera. You know, those are those are default folders that exist on the C drive. I redirected them all to the exact same name folders, but on my on OneDrive. So by default, if I save something on my desktop, it's on OneDrive. If I put something in my documents, it's on OneDrive. And so I'm I'm not doing anything different. I don't have to like consciously remember to put things in OneDrive. Everything is just automatically there. And I could literally dump my coffee on my computer right now, pick up any other computer and log in as myself, and everything will just be there. Like when I get a new computer, it takes me like 30 minutes to be like up and running with exactly everything is exactly where I wanted it. It's exactly how I use it. And I don't have to like start from scratch. You're you're absolutely remember back in the day when you you had this like if you left a job, the most important thing to negotiate on the way out the door was not how long your benefits lasted, but could you keep your laptop? Because the thought of of having to switch laptops was just such an enormous if you were to ever lose it, your life was on it. I agree. Sitting in front of me right now is my iPhone, which you've seen. I'm talking to you on my iPad, and uh, this display behind me is actually off of an Apple TV that podcast a uh, PowerPoint slide uh, from my MacBook. So I literally have, and I'm wearing my watch, of course. Um, uh, I, I have every Apple device at work in front of me for this discussion, and all of them. I'm on, a, I'm on a second floor right now. I could chuck out the window onto a cement and, and break them completely. And I could go uh, pick a brand new box. Yeah, I could drive over to Apple Retail. I could buy a new one of all three. And by midday today, I'm going to be exactly where I am right now because I also am a OneDrive user. And I just automatically save everything there because I automatically have it on every device, um, and it's just, it's, again, it's consumer symbol. Right, well, and so let's, let's, let's you know, kind of segue to that a little bit, like, you know, let, let, in, it, it's kind of backing up to the beginning, but I, I want to get your opinion on it. Um, the, you know, your general philosophy on employee happiness, the, you know, and, and, and that, that the, the choice of productivity and corporate sustainability. So it kind of ties back to what we started with. It kind of ties back to what you were just talking about with your daughter. It's, and, and, and I think increasingly, you know, like, like you pointed out with the iPod generation, like with, with the, you know, younger people who are entering the workforce have different expectations. They, they have like, you know, like, you know, when I entered the workforce and someone said, Hey, here's your, you know, Behemoth, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, you know I, IBM PC knockoff uh, desktop computer. I didn't question that, but now that's like a negotiation point on, you know, for hiring someone. You know, that's that's a question that comes up in an interview. It's like, well, what what device am I going to have to use? And if they say, well, we're going to give you this, you know, 
you know, the, you know, HP uh, Windows laptop or whatever. And some people be like, yeah, it's okay. I got this offer from these guys over here. They're going to let me use a Mac. Our surveys show that we have reached a, a time where people are not allowed to use the, the technology they want. And we've asked questions specifically about the Mac. Would you leave a job? Or would you take a job based on them allowing you to use a map for work? And actually, the majority of respondents say, yes, that would matter that much to me. The goal, <coughs> excuse me, uh, the goal of employees now feeling they should have a voice and a choice uh, at work. And yet they're right. You know, a lot of people, especially my age, will complain that, you know, why do these people entering the workforce now think they should have that? I took what I was given and I liked it, you know, doggone it. Well, that doesn't make that a better time. Uh, you know, how awesome is it to be able to have a technology environment and work where you want and yet feel secure and feel your best self, your most productive and still be able to connect with people the way that you and I are connected with people. Again, I'll go back to back in the day, the office that I was given at work was my employee experience. Today, this is my employee experience. So make it a great one. And if a security organization is choosing to secure their organization and not care about the user experience, Trust me, they're actually making their organization less secure. I'll give you one simple example. I was a CEO for another company uh, before I was CEO for Jamf eight years ago. And the day that I joined that company, I found that it was a really, really highly secure organization. And one of their policies was you could not send an attachment in their email to anyone outside of the company. Right. And within the first week that I was there, I absolutely had to send an attachment and I had to do it quickly. So what did I do? I, I went to my Google personal mail and I attached the document there and I sent it. So in other words, because security took the approach of what they're gonna stop from doing rather than what they're gonna secure, securely allow to be done, they actually made their organization less secure because right. people will find a way. There was a quote in Jurassic Park by Jeff Goldblum saying, nature will find a way. Well, in the workforce, nature is employees. And if you don't provide them a secure way to do something that is also pleasant from a user perspective, they will find another way. And that other way will make you less secure. And that's fundamentally what Jeff yep. is trying to solve in the workplace. Okay. I was gonna say I absolutely agree, and I and I think that that that's actually kind of a the the convergence of two different trends. So yes, there's the trend of BYOD and and more acceptance and 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 and, and incorporation of uh, you know Apple and other other devices in in the broader ecosystem. That that's one trend. The other trend is just that over you know my my background is cybersecurity. Like over the last twenty years, security has evolved a lot. I mean, it matured a lot in that in that respect. Where twenty years ago, it was much more, you know, we are security. This is how we, this is how we're going to be secure, and it was more it was more draconian. 
Like we are we are implementing policies and you will follow these policies. Um, but it leads to all the things like you just you just you just described and it creates all kinds of rogue IT situations. So, you know, that that's how people, you know, and, and people like, you know, do do like you you said, where you, you go to your Gmail and you just attach it there. People also just started opening up their own like Dropbox accounts like on, on the on the company network and being like, all right, well, I'm just gonna put it over here on Dropbox then. And, and IT didn't even know Dropbox existed. Um, and, you know, but but things have evolved. I think security much more today, you know, security professionals, CISOs, everyone has matured some to understand that the job of security is to facilitate business in a secure way. It's not to just be secure for the sake of security. You, you stated it perfectly. You know, the, to do business in a secure way and to do business, the subtext of that is the reason why technology was deployed in the first place, and I go about all the way back to the 80s when I, when I jumped into high tech, the reason why you got computers was to do your job better. That's, that's the reason why it existed. And, and so therefore, if security and IT teams have that same attitude today, everything you receive should be making your employment experience great, should allow you to do your job in the optimal way and feel awesome when you're doing it. But we have to provide you a path that is also secure for the organization. Everybody has that attitude and the things that you can do today are remarkable. The organizations that are behind in that thinking are also the organizations that provide technology and approaches to doing work. That is what I experienced when I joined the workforce in the 1980s. Just uh, here's what you're gonna get and whether you enjoy the experience or not is not our problem. That has changed. Thankfully, that has changed. Okay. Um, all right, so let's, let, I want to start to wind down, but let's talk then about what's, uh, you know, kind of what's the future look like? What, what's next for Jamf? What's on the horizon? Yeah, so today, Jamf serves, <coughs> excuse me again. Uh, today, Jamf serves, you know, over 72,000 customers running over 30 million devices around the world. So we're, our presence within the market has definitely now evolved to uh, being a market leader. And matter of fact, the two leaders in the area of device management are really Microsoft and Jam. And they're the only two providers that also focus on an ecosystem, Microsoft focusing most on Windows, Jam focusing most on Apple. They're the, also the only two providers that both do management and security in the enterprise. So we're really similar from that perspective. We just come at it from a Apple and Windows perspective. When I look forward and predict where Jam's going to be in the future, you know, we'll, we're, we're going to go from, you know, the number of customers we have today to something even greater. We're going to go from the number of devices we have today to something uh, even greater. But more importantly, the way that we're going to do that is by continuing to 
you know, create experiences where, you know, if you flip up that lid on your Mac and you put your finger on that sensor and all of a sudden you're logged in and all your messaging is encrypted and yet you never had to even think about connecting to work. You never even had to think about firing up your security software. You never even had to really think about authenticating. It's just automatic. You know, there's there's a term that's used in the Apple world saying it just works. That's actually what, that has not been something that's used very often in the enterprise. It just works. But with Jam, that's our objective, is that people would describe their work environment as being one that just works. And we're not done. Every company and every geography is providing their users that choice. Okay. Um, all right, I do have I do have one one final question, which is just really kind of a trivia question that's been uh, weighing on my mind. What is Jamf? Like, how that name come about? Um, we are a classic old uh, college student founder story. Jamf was founded in two thousand two by a gentleman named Zach Homestead, who was a music major in college. Uh, went down to work for the local IT team and. He started working with Max, and that's when he wrote the first software that became Jam. He was reading a book at the time called Gravity's Rainbow, and there was a character in the book uh, named Laszlo Yam, J-A-M-F, and for whatever reason, it stuck with him, and he named uh, the company that he was founding uh, that name. You know, tech companies are allowed to have weird names, I suppose, but the Jam stands for nothing. It was the last name of a character in a book. But what's been fun over the years is people creating their own meaning of Jam. You know, uh, Jam's Apple Management Framework, that's sort of an iterative version. Just another Mac fan would be another one. But it means nothing and it means everything at the same time. It means what you want it to mean. Awesome. All right. Well, I want to thank you uh, for joining me. I think it was a, it was a fun conversation. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate you taking the time. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Tony. Have a great day. All right. I appreciate you investing your time to listen to the podcast, but I also invite you to engage on social media. Uh, please go like our Facebook page and follow at Techspective on Twitter and Instagram. You can feel free to let me know what you like, let me know what you don't like, let me know if you love it, let me know if it sucks, and uh, let me know what products you'd like to see reviewed or what uh, questions you'd like to see answered in future posts.